family. It is the ratchet goddess herself, Dim Chakras from the Dim Chakras podcast. The same ratchet goddess who likes to align her chakras and smudge her home to trap and twerk music. You are now tuned into BJ and change the subject. The subject. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode 26 of Change the Subject. And I'm your host, BJ. Follow me on social media at DergoBJ. That's D-E-R-G-O-B-J on Twitter. And then you can also follow the show, which can be found on Instagram at The Subject Change. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You are in for a treat with this particular episode because I have a returning guest. But not so much on Change the Subject, but just on the platform in general. She and I had a conversation on Teach Me How to Love You Better, which you also need to follow and subscribe to. And um, you will hear this young lady on, I believe, the second episode, which was support. And she killed it. Y'all know what I think about this girl. Like, this is like one of my top five women of color content creators. I'm always bigging her up because I get a lot of game from her. I think I've been listening to her since Daddy Issues on wow. the Crystal Clear podcast and um, been a fan of her since. And I think you're going to enjoy this guest. And I just said her name already. So welcome back, Crystal Clear, to Change the Subject. How are you doing this evening? I am awesome. Glad to be back. <laughs> Thank you for having me again. It's so amazing to prepare yes. a conversation with you or just, you know, to be asked. So I'm excited. Oh, man. It's uh always a joy to get people I enjoy listening to um, on the show because I like to learn from, you know, the people I listen to, um, especially you, Stephanie, and a few others that I really enjoy um, being fed by. So I always believe that when I have these really deep and intricate conversations, that it's only a few people that I can have these conversations with. And this one was like designed for you. So um, I'm just super excited to talk to you about what I have for you. But before we get into that, um, give the listeners your name and information and how they can get in touch with you and both your shows, because you're also the co-host of the Reigning Opinions podcast with um carmen gray another young lady i want to get on my show at some point so just give them your information so they can get in tune with your content okay okay so like bj said i am crystal from the crystal clear podcast that's crystal clear the podcast if you're looking for me on soundcloud uh crystal clear it's crystal c-h-r-i-s-t-a-l there's a lot of crystals i'm the only christ <laughs> crystal or, <laughs> or you can even say christ but you know my mom had good intentions anyway um i'm also on the reigning opinions podcast where i am a co-host and um, i'm there weekly also found on soundcloud we're on most platforms but um i'm pretty much a soundcloud girl i keep it simple easy for me where i can come and do all that stuff so search me on spotify i'm there search writing opinions on spotify google play uh apple Podcasts, wherever you you know listen to your podcast yes yes please 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 listeners um subscribe to both of those shows um very very intelligent and um, well-documented and structured content. I think um, a lot of what you will get from the two shows is more reality-based, but it's so much truth that's kind of woven into it. Um, that's just me. I listen to, you know, those two shows pretty frequent as far as women go. 
And um, I'm always learning something about the female dynamic that I didn't necessarily consider or couldn't even fathom just by hearing so many other things that um, the ladies talk about. So please, please, listeners, subscribe, give them ratings and tell them again that BJ was the one that sent you over there. All right. So um, we're going to get into what we call Q&A. Now, small questions. <laughs> just to kind of break up a little bit of the tensions and the <laughs> nervousness and just to unwind a bit. And the questions are pretty simple. It's just getting to know who Crystal Clear is beyond just the surface. So are you ready to answer a couple of questions? I believe so. <laughs> All right. So question number one is how would you grade yourself as a wife in these four areas? Cooking, cleaning, caring, and complaining. And give me your grades in your own eyes. <laughs> okay. What is the grade scale? Okay, so cooking, zero. Um, <laughs> really? Zero. Okay, I, I do not. Um, I don't. I don't. Um, I don't. Uh, cleaning. Okay, B plus. Um, okay. Caring. What was it? Yep. Caring a, was the third one. A plus, and complaining a C. <laughs> that is a really honest report card. Mhm. So you basically yeah. said you got an F in cooking. Mhm. You got a B plus in cleaning. You got mm -hmm. an A plus in caring, and you have a C. And complaining. So, what would be your GPA? Uh, mm. <laughs> That's my, like, uh, oof, mm. I, I'm not doing well because of that, you know, <laughs> that zero in cooking, you know, that's kind of killing me. <laughs> All right. Uh, I might have to, you know, you know, get credit yeah, on like some, to, some snacks or, you know, right. Some I, extra might, I can arrange snacks, you know, I could do that. <laughs> But uh, we need something, some help on that in that area. But if it wasn't for that big fast zero, um, I'd probably be like a high C, low B. But um, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. we'll we'll give you the B minus. We'll give you the B minus. Okay. <laughs> okay. Question number two is: Does Crystal clear curse, and if so, how much? Uh, yes, and not that much. So here's the thing. Um, I probably in traffic. I probably curse the I curse the worst. Okay, nobody's in the car okay. with me. Um, I'm usually not on the phone. It's in the morning. I'm probably calling everybody everything. Okay, just because. Okay. okay. You know, <laughs> there's no one around. It's like it's like personal time for me, and I don't know why. I just like to call them names when I'm in the car in the morning. Um, and it's funny because like if I'm on the phone with anybody or anything, I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm complaining, but I'm not cursing. So it's just something that I feel comfortable doing like just by myself. Okay. Now here's the thing. And I, I, I tried to explain it on my show before, but like I was raised where cursing was bad. Right. So right, right. growing up, you kind of, you, you, you have this. I don't know how you would say it, but you kind of feel bad when you do curse. So, like, a lot of times when I curse, even still today, there's some guilt that follows it. I cannot explain it. So, because of the guilt that follows it, sometimes I try not to because I don't want to experience that guilt. But then there's also oh, wow. 
there's right, also okay. this um this weird like questioning I do for myself when I find myself going out of my way not to. So it's a fight. It's a it's a real conflict between to curse or not to curse and it's like I don't have to curse I'm not forcing myself to curse but when there's a natural cuss word about to come I try to make myself comfortable with the idea of doing so but nine times out of ten I don't have to curse and I won't and if I don't know you I'm probably not cursing around you oh all right I can Mm -hmm. respect that that's yeah that's actually something that encourages me because um curse words explain my feelings perfectly Mm-hmm. Like, and I come from a a bunch of men who were very vulgar. Now, I'm not vulgar, but I definitely have moments where I do let a curse word fly because I tend to decompress in a sense mm-hmm. in that way just to get those raw feelings out. Now, I try not to do it as much um, in the same regard because I don't want that to be like an adjective or something that's added to my character. Mm-hmm. But I I definitely relate to the impact of how those words connect to people when they make you upset or the, mm-hmm. um, the piercing that tends to cut through when a person is just not registering what you're saying. So like it, I definitely purpose myself to stop cursing as much because I definitely know it, it tends to be obsessive. But just hearing how you explained it, I kind of want to be convicted in that way you know mm-hmm. to feel a, a small guilt so that it will encourage me to find better ways to express myself so i definitely feel you on that right but like i said it, it goes both ways because sometimes i've sometimes the curse word is necessary and then i ask myself like why why am i holding back you know and so right, it, it goes right. both ways so it's a true conflict i know a lot of people don't understand it but it's a true conflict now do you ever get people um who are familiar with your content that try to get you to come outside of what is considered by them to be your shell mm-hmm. like do do people tend to believe that you restrict yourself from um being a sense of human in that way uh i don't if they do i don't understand because i feel like a lot of crystal clear is me being transparently who i am um I, I don't I don't know what shell I'm in I'll, you know like I feel like I am exposed for the most part I try to be that's my intention so I feel like if they're trying to get me outside of something they don't understand they should keep listening start from the beginning <laughs> oh right right true that's the perfect answer okay so that was not we are on number three um okay. what is one thing in high school that you wished you could do that is still very much a wish today Hmm. Wow. I. I'm trying to dig here because I feel like I'm going to give you an easy answer of like, I don't know. But I mean, I feel like there might be something there. Something I wish I could have done in high. Okay. um, I still, I wish I would have been. more um open with like my my talents and i still i still like hold back you know in that regard like i um i've I've sung all my life but when i got around people like in school i stopped so it's something i still deal with like i'll sing sometime but like if you put me on the spot i probably will not 
so yeah you singing. and i are the same <laughs> i used to be the singer in high school like church i've been the church boy practically my whole life but um one of my one of my issues with singing is i was forced to mm. sing when i was younger because you know um you know in my house we you know serve the lord and mm-hmm. um i remember being there was this lady and um i don't know if she's still alive but i hope she is because she was sweet shouts out to miss milliken but miss milliken was like my height she was like in her 60s at the time and um something happened with her choir robe that she ended up ordering a brand new one and she gifted me her choir robe when i was like 10 years old and my mother forced me to sing in the mass choir now at the time of this this gap of time that i was like dreading all of the kids were like off to college i was still one of the younger Mm -hmm. um kids so there was no youth choir because most of the youth were off to college Mm -hmm. so i was literally the only kid in the mass choir of like the age group between 35 and 60 i'm the only kid and um i used to hate that i used to hate that and i remember all of the the kids that were there that weren't necessarily choir kids but just kids you know in general they would be in the congregation and soon as the pastor would get up and start preaching they would all leave and go to the store that was right across the street and they would like hang out in front of the store and you know all different types of things and i would literally be the only kid in the choir and i remember on time god being my solo at 11 (laughs) years old i like that had no clue as to what this meant but i remember as i got older and had certain experiences those songs they still come back to me that is all the time yes i experienced that all the time all the songs that we sung like not even just in the choir but as a, in the congregation that we were just seeing everybody i still sing those songs and they come up at the weirdest time and, and yes, sometimes you're just the singing time. them sometimes they make me cry because it's like it's like a reminder of sorts you know mm-hmm. and you know like words, and i'm really yeah. grateful yeah i'm grateful for that you know because mm-hmm. I, just, I really didn't understand the impartation that was taking place in that moment but as a kid I'm just like oh so fast forward to high school um mm-hmm. I remember I remember like uh we would go on field trips and I would always have like my uh, walkman my little CD walkman and unconscious to it I would like be singing whatever I'm listening to underneath whatever I'm listening to and people would catch me and um I had a cousin my age um she and I used to do like talent shows and that was kind of what got me my popularity in high school but Uh I never I never took it past high school I don't sing at all no more I don't even (laughs) believe I'm as good as I probably was back then but that's definitely my story too Uh Mm, 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 mm. we got stuff in common and things (laughs) Alright, so we are on number four. Number four is on the scale of number one being almost never and ten being all day every day, what is the number that best suits how many dirty thoughts you have in a day? (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) What? (laughs) Now that one is off guard. Thirty thoughts in a day um, yes in a day i'm gonna say 
maybe five, five or six. Five. Yeah. Five or six. Mm-hmm. Oh, we learning crystal clear today. But listen, okay. I don't. You know what? It might be. It might be so severe to where I don't even play into them anymore. You know, <laughs> it's like they there, right? And I, don't, and I don't connect. I'm like, okay, I got stuff to do. <laughs> right. Okay. So I don't okay. Know. That's just that's just great to know. You know, that's just great to know because it's you. Like, mm-hmm. yes, yes. This is a humanizing list of questions. Mm-hmm. So number five, I think this is number five. Mm-hmm. Um, who is Crystal Clear's favorite rapper? Oh wow! <sighs> okay, Crystal. <clears throat> okay, so. So how can I break this down? Can I do it like in time periods and like up until like now, or can I just? I do I have to give you an overall? Yeah, just give me the time periods that that reflects the best answer you can give. Okay, so um, when I was first introduced to secular music, um, I was probably like ten years old because most of my life it was gospel. So at that time, um, uh, Notorious B.I.G. Okay. And then, um, as I grew up, got a little older, I enjoyed, um, who was it? I think I just had like a bad boy era. Okay. I, I just, oh, yeah, okay. Mace, I, I just, I really appreciated them. And then I'm going to say by the time, like I was a solid adult, um, Kanye, and yeah, okay. And then now it's just like whoever is just you know bringing the heat. But I think it was you know um, East Coast and then Kanye. Oh, okay. I don't know why I was expecting you to say something like Texas. No, because I didn't early on. I did not like Texas music. I mean, I don't. To me, of course, I feel like that's ingrained. Like the screw, right? right all that. That's right. ingrained. So I don't feel like that's me. I feel like that's where I'm from. So I feel like that's oh, just—it's okay, natural, true, true. you know. But like, if I was going to go off on my own and listen to something, it would have been what I listed. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So we're on number six. You got two more questions, and um, number six is. To crystal clear, how important are stockings in the event of Crystal wearing a very short skirt? <laughs> wow. Uh, they're not important at all. I'm not wearing no stockings. What is this? I mean, I'm not even wearing stockings <laughs> to church. Okay? They're going to have to be mad at me. I'm sorry. I know how I was raised, and that's probably frowned upon, but that's the biggest hell no I got. No, I'm not wearing stockings. <laughs> <laughs> No stockings. No. Oh man, that is crazy. Because you know, like that the reason why is because I know of the background. And, yes. Um, it's madness. And picking the questions, I went down the list and I'm trying to figure like what questions are good enough to ask her. And that one was like the most important one. I'm like, okay, this definitely has to go on the list of questions. But I never really I never really understood the importance of stockings for real growing up because one of the reasons why is because a lot of times and this was just to me i don't know Mm -hmm. if this is something that women you know identify with but it always made your legs look ashy (laughs) 
I feel like, like it was hard to find your skin tone back in the day. Yeah, I feel like they're doing right. a little bit better now for like shears and you know browns and stuff. But back in the day, it was off colored all the time. So, mm-mm. yeah, I used to always like despise stockings because it always made women's legs to me just look ashy. I don't know why, but that was just me growing up. That is hilarious. Okay, the final, the final question is. What's the most important lesson to give a girl in terms of raising daughters? Oh, okay. Um, to me, I feel like um, don't judge your daughter by how you are. I mean, it's so easy to do. I feel like we all catch ourselves worrying about things that we were interested in when we were the our young daughter's age or whatever but it's really important to know that they're individuals and not to place that fear of what you live through ultimately on them okay okay that makes sense to me so you have just officially completed qa and a you did did very well (laughs) all right so um today's conversation um and the reason i have you here is for some perspective and truth that you wouldn't typically get from a guy in the event of this question being asked of him. But um, we almost never get a honest answer from a man in this regard. And then I also realized too, that um, we never hear a woman's perspective on this either, because the concept of being the other woman is never in complete context. Like we, um, uh, we look at the other woman as being the one that was rejected, the one that was picked over um, and oftentimes discarded. But we never um, look at the other woman as just simply being the person the man broke up with. So I wanted to um, talk from a a more honest and um, thought provoking perspective about benevolence when it comes to a relationship and how we give in this particular instance of a relationship. So I'm going to pose this question to you and I want you to tell me what you think when I ask you this question. Okay. Okay. Is it fair to add a man's daughter to the list of women that he's misled due to the fact that the reason he loves his daughter unconditionally could be based upon the wrongs he's yet to account for with the previous woman that he has hurt time and time again. I'm going to say, and I have to admit that I'm torn, it is fair. Okay. Okay. Why would you say it's fair? I'm saying it's fair because the daughter, okay? I When I when I think about the scenario you, you're giving me, I'm assuming the daughter is not yet aware of how the father mistreated her mother, okay? Right. And so right. while... While he loves her and he's going to do everything for her, there is still like, like you said, there is still like this chickens coming home to roost that he's going to deal with when she is looking for a mate. 
you know, where he where it's going to be full circle and he's going to see the type of dudes that, you know, resemble him in the way he handled things approaching his daughter. And there's like some things that he has yet to come to terms with within himself. So he can't even discuss with her as to how she came about and why he's no longer with her mother. So I feel like, yes, he loves her, but he is misleading her because he can't be completely honest about like everything because he doesn't even really know like why or what he didn't do right and way way he messed up to you know be like a perfect example of what a man should be to her and it doesn't make sense to me as I'm saying it but I do feel like she's been misled in some indirect way right 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 and that's what we want to um talk about and this is why I called the conversation um, blind benevolence because mm-hmm. there is a right and wrong way to mistreat someone because mm-hmm. yes the daughter deserves the absolute best of what you do have to offer as a father but what's always seemed to be missing is the honesty and the context behind it mm-hmm. so um to the men um that are listening what if i told you that as a man your daughter has the potential of being added to the list of women you have hurt or lied to simply because underneath the preferential treatments and unconditional love she gets lies the guilt of all of the other women you've hurt over the years that you know you are wrong for. And instead of atoning or apologizing for the mistakes, you try to shower your love on an innocent child with love that's overdue to a multitude of women who are deserving of it before she was even in the picture or even born yet. That's what we want to get to today. So, um, Getting further into the conversation, um, I find it odd that men actually believe that they are capable of loving their daughters correctly without regarding their mothers. Um, The mother seems to be the most integral part of the love that you will probably share with your daughter because this is the person that she's with the most time when she's not in your care. She has the biggest influence on your daughter when it comes to the perception of you as a father in my opinion Mm -hmm. um is this is this space of discomfort that we have um with and i know this is not your story but just in a hypothetical sense is this comfort that we exist in in co-parenting a safe space in your opinion because it has the influences of people who are not directly connected to you any longer. So um, the way that your daughter speaks to her father may have an influence on how the daughter views her mom and vice versa. So is that a safe space to you? Um, I feel like it could be either or. I don't I don't necessarily feel it's automatically a mm-hmm. safe pla- uh, safe place. No, absolutely not. I feel like it could be a right. very detrimental place very toxic place so um i you you can't automatically say either or i feel like if it's going to be a safe place it takes a lot of work um because it's it's so easily probably unsafe (laughs) Mm, mm. i think so too um i use a lot of my personal experiences with Mm -hmm. um being in a single parent home I, i stay with my mom my father was always present but not always there and when i say there Uh i'm not talking about like being in my life i'm talking about there mentally and emotionally in a way Uh because he was raised to be very tough and Uh um one thing that i noticed about the differences between the parents is my mother 
um, the way that my mother raised me, she always held me accountable for seeing him for exactly who he was, which was my father. Uh Right. So she never, she never pitied him in front of me. She's never said anything bad or degrading about him. And one thing that I, I credit her for was she taught me responsibility even in the siblings that I have that are not even of, you know, her children. Uh-huh. So like when I would want certain things from my father and I would be pissed, she would say, well, you understand that being the older brother is a sacrifice. You have siblings underneath you that are in much more need than you. And you need to be grateful for the blessings that God has given you to not need as much as your siblings. So be considerate and mindful of that. Like she was always trying to like teach in those moments now true enough i ended up finding out when i got older the truth Uh you know but that was on that was on my own intuition and not something that she you know sold into me but the difference with my father my father told me the truth okay and a lot of the truth that he told me was much more crucial to my development because a lot of the truth i wasn't necessarily ready for so here's my mother kind of you know making sure that i'm accountable for honoring him as my dad but then here's my father at the time i'm looking at this as like he throwing her under the bus right but he's being honest so in that space i learned that he potentially felt like he couldn't be his true self in the relationship with my mom and it took me to grow up to see that this was the disconnect and a lot of times the children suffer for those right. moments. So in the event of a daughter being in that space, it's like, what does she do in a moment or in a space like that? Because that affects the way that she dates. Right. And so, and that's, and it's very, very true what you're saying, but um, in, in the, in the um, description you gave with your mother and father, I feel like both parents in their own way are being blindly benevolent because your mother her intention is not to make him look bad because she wants to instill the fact that this is your father so she says things to you not to discredit him but to just put things in perspective so you understand you might go without because of this that or the third but you know it's just the way things are right and then him he's feeling like you know the best way to deal with a man is just be upfront with him you know and that was his good intention even though it went probably poorly he just wanted you to know what was real because he felt like that's what's necessary like a lot of people don't feel like you know giving children you know the sugar-coated view of the world is helpful and a lot of people feel like it is and so it just depends on the child and you know the environment ultimately and so I, i really feel like it wouldn't be much different from a girl except <laughs> for me, because I was re- like my fa- my stepfather came by the time I was five, but me as a five year old was well aware that it was me, my mom, my sister, and her youngest brother. So I did clearly see my mom taking care of two kids and a younger brother. I saw a woman mm-hmm. do it by herself. Uh, my sister, who is nine years older than me, she saw it even longer than I. And so without even trying to instill in us um, the independency of not needing anyone, she did it. 
in just as little as five years. I had a stepfather for the rest of the time, but those five years told me I didn't need anyone for anything. And that's how I lived my life. And anybody I dated in between the time before I got married had to go through that power struggle of me not needing them. So it's a huge thing. (laughs) It it really does, Mm. you know, impact you. It really does. So when you think about like, because it almost takes me back to the episode that I was introduced to you to where mm-hmm. you were saying that there was like a struggle to um, integrate, integrate your father back into your life. And right. it also was a power struggle for your husband because your husband was now the protector that your father would have technically supposed to have been. Right. So in those moments, do you find yourself um, responding to the independence as a deflection of what you don't want to feel anymore as which I don't think that you would have to feel that way now, but abandonment tends to show up in different like stages or scenes in our lives. So you respond to it with the idea of protection when it's really a deflection from past feelings that you feel. And that very well could be so. I don't know if I even look at it like that. <laughs> I, I couldn't even I couldn't even tell you that that's the way I define it. Um, mm. And and so for me, my my biological father, like for there to be an abandonment issue, I would have to recall him being there. I don't recall mm. him okay. being there. Okay. And so, so that it, makes a difference. Yeah. So it's just an understanding of knowing there is a father. He's not here. Mind you, I had uncles and, you know, um, like my my upbringing was full of men who took care of me, who saw about me. I have um, an uncle that I call my godfather. Like he was the man that I put in the picture when I said dad, you know, even though I knew he wasn't my my dad. That's who I saw. Like great care of me, made sure I understood everything there was to know about, you know, being a beautiful little girl, you know, being loved, being taken care of. Like I was seen about, um, I really was, I, I, I can't even, um, express how much so. And I even really like my stepfather did his, he did his job, but I'm going to say before he even showed up, I feel like that role was filled up with plenty, you know, and you know, maybe it's because right, of the church right. I was raised in, or maybe it was like that, you know, family circle. I didn't go without. I didn't feel like I did, at least. And so me growing up and understanding that there was no actual man that I knew of, even though I would have loved to believe that they were my father, there was none that I actually came encounter with that actually was my father. So it's not like I felt left behind. It was just I know he was missing. Missing. If okay. Missing. That like makes never total there. Sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So that that actually gives me something to talk about missing and opposed to saying never there. Like mm-hmm. um, I never looked at it in that way. But the reason why I was like trying to um get some context to that is because mm-hmm. many men believe that treating their daughters better than they treat their companions are merit based decisions that they make. And also believe that it can expunge the wages of sins they commit against different women. And in your mind, um, it makes you feel as though you're righting the wrongs through other people. But what we begin to see, even in the relationship with the daughters, is that you treat your daughter a lot better than you treat her mom. 
but you still end up going through the resistance because the connection with the mom is still there. So ultimately with you not dealing with the issues of wronging her mother and you never really atone or apologize and actually work through those things, your daughter begins to take the same attitude Mm -hmm. that the mother primarily has. Not that she even agrees with what you did to her mom or disagree. It's just that the energy in the situation has shifted the way that your daughter connects to you. And by you never dealing with the mother in that same way, nine times out of 10, you're not going to know how to deal with your daughter in that moment when she's rejecting you and you have no clue because you give her the world or she's not accepting of everything that you say, do and give because she still sees the, you know, the undermining and all of the disrespectful things that you do to your mom. So in a sense, it's the right way to go about being better, but it's still the wrong way of application because you need to right those wrongs of the past and develop a new communication of your intent. So we tend to believe that starting fresh with new people is like a second chance at life or love, but it's also another potential victim to your lack of accountability. Um, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Cause I was just going to say like, like what you're saying is, is very true. First of all, I don't know if men realize, and I, I feel like they should, and they might not pay attention to it. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a man, but children are very you know receptive and they they pick up on things and you know when you're mistreating somebody they love whether it's the mom mistreating the dad or the dad mistreating the mom they are picking up on that and they don't like it okay so there is no amount of reward and gifts and money and whatever care or whatever you making up it doesn't matter like they see what you do and you can mm-hmm. you can gift it and do everything you want to do. They see who you are to your core. And if you think you're going to give them money on one end and then cuss their mama out on the other end and you're doing something, <laughs> you're wasting your time. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're wasting, wasting time your time. And energy. You really are. And, and that that's, energy that's crazy. is going to it's going to come against you in a cruel mm-hmm. way. It really is. Um, where does the idea come from that good deeds to. Um, innocent bystanders change your karma for all of your past doings like where does that idea even come from well I feel like the idea comes from the same place (laughs) you know like you feel like you can right your wrongs and I feel like when they say you reap what you sow so if you are um, sowing bad things you're going to reap bad things so the same sower of bad things feels like well let me start sowing good things so I can sow reap something good so i feel like right. that's that's the mindset like ultimately eventually you know if you're doing good good will come but you you can't undo the bad you know like the bad yeah, is right, you, right. you are going to get what you have coming and i know people are afraid of that idea of getting what you have coming but it's not so much a punishment as much as it is just justice you know Mm, so mm, so it's like right, it's just right. it's it's just what's necessary maybe you know the bad that you know you you have done is just going to come back as you being you know held from something you really wanted you know and i feel like the more this man in this scenario is trying to 
put into this daughter it's like he loves he cares like he gives the world for this daughter and when she gets just old enough to make her own decisions she's going to disappoint disappoint him and that's going to be his karma just being extremely disappointed because he put everything into this little girl you know because that's the only way he knew how to be right or whatever and as soon as she can make her own mind she is going to be a disappointment to him and that is the Absolutely. ultimate that's going to be the ultimate yeah. you know karma so it's like it's just it's not like you're bad and you're being punished it's just the justice it's the way it is the there's no work around there's no work around wow it's you 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 right. have to and i feel like it's a growing process it's a part of the ebb and flow you, it just happens. At one point in your life, you don't mean to make the mistakes you're making, but you're learning from them. You know, like I feel like little kids, they have to go to that little uh, curious stage where they're always into something so they can learn what to stay out of. Right. And then as they grow older and they learn more, you know, you know, things get a little bit easier. But I feel like there's a certain stage for everybody where they know better and they still choose wrong. And those are the things that you have to, you know, concern yourself with when it comes to getting back what you have coming you know and it's right, it's right it's, i don't feel like you should fear it i just think you should understand it stand it right so okay so why do you think that so many so many men believe that um children have the capacities to change them but still have no impact on the respect that the mother is entitled to because i think when it comes down to um knowing the truth of the mother having the the biggest impact i think that um one of the reasons why men are so uncomfortable in certain areas where women get um the bulk of the praise is because mm-hmm. it's it's basically society insisting upon men seeing their value not to discredit them there's so much about how we look at mother's day you know, as mm-hmm. being the bigger of the father, because in most cases you have so many fathers that still don't understand the importance of her being responsible for making you a father. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I think that we look at it in a weird way, not to discredit that men deserve um attention and the recognition. That's not what I'm saying. But I think that the reason why we take it so personally is because there's a message that's being communicated in it that we need to appreciate the women more because had not it been for them, you wouldn't have a extra title to be like, I guess, proud of in a sense. She made you the father just as much as you potentially made her or assisted her in being a mother. So right. I want to kind of like I want to encourage us to see the importance of the two human beings and what they mean to each other versus this baby mama, baby daddy theory, because ultimately it does affect the children. And I, you know, and it affected me to be honest. Like I never physically heard my mother or father call each other, my baby daddy, Mm -hmm. you know, at the most is Brandon's mom or Brandon's, you know, dad. It it was Mm -hmm. never that, my baby daddy crap like but right. um i just think about the impact that it could potentially have because a lot of men are being blindly benevolent to their children and still not seeing the impacts of how much having that relationship be amended will be mended um with that mom could definitely put you in a better position to love your kids correctly 
you know. Right. Or just give them a, a better example of what it looks like. Because, I mean, yeah. when yeah. you think about it, like, when, when, just thinking about myself um, as a kid growing up, like, while I don't feel like I went without, I definitely saw what I wanted. You know, like, I, right, in, right, in the right. lack of it, I, I found what I wanted for myself. So when I am to when I was to have my own child and you know what I wanted my own child's life to be like I saw it in what I did not see. So I like mm. I feel like y- your child regardless of what you do or do not do they're going to figure it out for themselves but it's definitely a a boost for you to try to do right by the parent, you know, by, you know, by the other parent. It's, it's just the right thing to do because you, you know, first of all, the child already has to go through life, you know, understanding that they have maybe less than somebody who parents are still together. You know, if you, if you, I don't know if you experienced it when you were growing up, but there were some families that were intact. Whether they were happy or not, they were intact, okay? And mm-hmm. it might have mm-hmm. appeared that they were happier, you know? Maybe even if they weren't, it appeared that they had more and they were happier. And when you're, you know, somewhere comparing yourself to those kids, that's what I kind of concern myself with, you know, considering my childhood. It's just like all my friends who had their fathers, you know, to talk to. Like, I sometimes think about how my life would have been different. Um, sometimes good, sometimes bad, you know. But it's just like, either way, I knew I got what I needed. And I feel like the the man being blindly benevolent and putting everything into this child is kind of just confirming their guilt, you know? Yes, yes. And, yes. and, and showing their hand that they, they've done so much wrong according to themselves. And so they feel like they have to put everything into the children. And if these children have truly changed them, like you said, there should it should be evident in the way they carry themselves. It should be evident in the way they, they talk to the people they uh, care about. Like, if you've changed me the way I, if, if, if this child has changed me the way I talk to her mother, should change as well. But no, I'm, everything is changing me only concerning this child. It doesn't make sense. It's like you're being selective on how you're going to improve when the improvement should just be overall, like overall, all right, encompassing, right. you know, and it's, it, to me, that's, that's like laziness when you just pick and choose what you want to be better at when you want to be better at it. And it's like, you, then you're, you're really not improved. You're just, I guess, pretending when you feel like it counts. Yeah, like I used to, um, I used to feel that way about so much. Like honestly, when I when I used to look at a lot of um my cousins, in a sense, um, mm-hmm. there are a few of my cousins who are you know beautiful women at this point. But I remember um seeing early that like at a time when they were old enough to like assume responsibility. Um, as children, they were like early babysitters, right? Mm-hmm. And um, in the most impressionable times of their lives, they they really had like a spark for life. They wanted to be cheerleaders. They wanted to do so many different things to kind of you know elevate their intellect and you know have their own idea of a social life. But responsibilities mm-hmm. from those families that, um, like you say, you know they weren't always good one always bad but they were intact 
Um, mm-hmm. Those family would make those young girls responsible for the caretaking of all of the younger cousins. They were babysitters. They were cookers mm-hmm. on Sunday. They did all of these things. So then they grow up and they become women on their own, never mm-hmm. being able to identify what their feelings are because they were always subsided. Um, they never really had the opportunities to really get a feel for what it was like to actually feel mm-hmm. anything. And the most recollection they have of any type of love or any type of affection or understanding came from the children that they were taking care of when they were younger. So now mm-hmm. in an indirect way, you've kind of like steered her in the direction to not fear getting pregnant pregnant early because mm-hmm. she probably has been encouraged to want a baby at this point because as a parent you didn't necessarily have the resources to take care of your own responsibilities and care for your own children like we don't see how those situations kind of steer us in these weird directions like this child like this child didn't grow up with the the freedom to be a child so she is you know basically rushing to become a mother so she can do what she's always done Right. She's been doing this for an mm-hmm. an entire adolescent it. existence. So those, yeah, those parents who didn't have it together, sometimes good, sometimes bad, but they had it together. A lot of that was just sticking to the standard. And now you look at that child as if she deviated from the standard. You were raised in the church and you know better. You don't have, you know, premarital sex and you don't have a child out of wedlock, but you groomed her for wedlock. Right. You know, like you 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 don't understand it in that way because you want to believe that you were teaching her responsibility. So in that way, you're blindly benevolent. You're teaching her the things that she may need to know. I see. But when she's ready for those lessons, she's not quite ready at 10 years old to be a parent to another kid. Right. And I also like I even everything that you're saying, like, I feel like you're bringing out this blindly benevolent in like so many different ways. Like there's so many layers to it. So like just the parent themselves, like the parent who decides that I want to raise my child in church, of course their intentions are beautiful, right? Like they want to give this child like an amazing foundation so they can, you know, have someone greater than them to go to when things are going right or whatever your intention is. You just feel like they need to have this right. And Mm -hmm. whether, you know, there's a million stories out there about people who were raised in the church and, you know, whether they were affected negatively by the church or not, there are people who can say, that bad situation was character building for me or people who can say that bad situation just, you know, you know, sent me off the deep end and I'll never be the same again. And I don't really, I can't really put my finger on what makes it a good thing or a bad thing outside of looking at the individual. Because I feel like no matter what our intentions are as parents, mine as a parent, I can only do so much to impact my child. If she has like a personality that is negative, like there is nothing good enough for her to, you know, actually see the good in the things that she's been given. If she has a positive disposition, there is nothing negative enough for her not to see the good 
in everything that she does. And so it's just the individual. And all you can really do is try your hardest to give them, you know, the best you have available to you. And for some people that is church, but that is not a guarantee that your child is going to, you know, be perfect, that your child is going to be ideal. It's like, it's, it's the right thing to do, but it might not be right for that child. And right. I really feel like people should right. like really check their intentions because there's more than one way to raise your child right. You know, some people are going to fill their children up with like book knowledge. Some people are going to, you know, you know, build their children up on, you know, talents and skills. You know, some people are going to, you know, basically just, you know, make their children adults, you know, at, you know, two, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. It's, right, it, right. it really just, it it's not going to guarantee you any particular result. This is why, this is the best advice I told you early on is not to judge your child by, by what you experienced, but allow them to be the individual because you lived through a lot. And I, I really feel like adults need to get this through their head. You, as an individual, lived through a lot. Like we want to say, you know, a lot of religious people will say, you know, you know, God was merciful to me when I was growing up. But, you know, it's a different world. I'm like, it's the same God. And he's going to be merciful to yes. the child. So you putting <laughs> all this uh, stress and anguish on this child for being who they are, for basically learning and living life, figuring it out for themselves, just like you did, it's kind of like pointless. Like, they got to get there some way, too. And, and your directions may not apply to them, unfortunately. Definitely. Definitely. And I look at that... Um... Now that you've said that, I look at that and how a lot of women are still looking for love in a sense mm. because of that, because there's a a disconnect from how dad treated me my entire life versus mm. how the men in the world are treating me because your dad gave you things. We're presuming that he's giving you things that you didn't even deserve. So your standards are built on receiving things that you don't deserve and now here's a man now now here's a man giving you the proper appraisal for what you're actually worth well that is very (laughs) wait 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 wait. okay okay i'm with you but i see what you i see what you're doing right so now i know that sounds crazy no, I know it, that it, sounds it, crazy. It does, but it doesn't. So let me let me try to wrap my head around it, make sure I'm following you accurately. Okay. So this father right. who is, you know, making up for all the broken hearts and, you know, hurt feelings he's left along the way. He's he's mm-hmm. putting into this child, giving her everything he can give her because he's just trying to make up for all his wrong, right? And so mm-hmm. Whether it, did, it it wasn't based upon her merit, it wasn't based upon grades, it wasn't based upon good behavior, it was just based upon the fact that I have not been a good man to women, but I have a child now, and I'm going to be a good father to you, and the way I'm going mm-hmm. to display this good is by spoiling you. So this, right. this child grows up spoiled, she's a spoiled woman, and now she's looking for somebody to treat her the way her daddy did, but... What she don't realize is her daddy was a man who lived, who treated women poorly and he in turn treated her well to make up for it. So the man that she's really looking for is the man that's going to treat her poorly and owe his child something. <laughs> but yeah. no, what, you, what, you, yeah. what you're saying is like he going to, you say he's going to appraise her accurately, which means you don't really deserve what you expect. 
And and to me, yeah. like, for me, that was like a kind of a little bit of dig because I feel like, you know, a lot of women it do is. have high standards and it's okay whether it was their father or their mother that put it there. But it, it there is, I'm never going to tell a woman to lower her standards, but at some point there has to be an adjustment of your expectation. No, I can I can actually agree with that. But the reason why I said the proper appraisal is because mm-hmm. in most cases, when you look at what something is worth, you don't even get to really well, in the sense of dealing with people, you really mm-hmm. don't get to ultimately know what they're worth until you get to try it out. Right. You never get to the point to actually connect with the person so that you can actually experience her at her full potential. Because she's set on, I guess, receiving certain things up front and early that you really don't even know if she deserves it. So the guy that she wants to be loved by is the person that's waiting for the opportunity, not so much the guy that she's probably used to, which is just showering her with things up front. Mm-hmm. She never gets to connect with the guy that is meant for her because daddy is clouding the vision. Okay. So. It, it it really it really is a poor way to say it. And I don't want women to think that because I said that, that it was with the intention to dig. But the truth of the matter is the guy that you're waiting for is nine times out of 10. The person you can't even see clear enough to give a chance because you're still looking at your daddy. And that can be whether it was a good father or a bad father. Period. Period. <laughs> so it's like the dad the dad is like being he's destructive at this point uh-huh. in your life right right he means you no good at this point in your life because now you're going to continually look at well why can't i find a man like daddy not even necessarily knowing the truth about daddy and most of the time it's it's a sad it's a sad case when you really do find out like okay dad really hurt mama right you know and the only reason he took care of me is because he was trying to make up for the runkity. And and I mean, and that, and that is really misleading. That because and that's where the misleading comes in because this you have yeah. this baby pumped up on, you know, what she should expect from you know a potential mate. But it's this is not this is not what she should expect from a potential mate. She should expect you know love and respect from somebody. But here you are, you know, you just you just spoiled her because. Mm-hmm. That's all you. That's all you knew how to do, and and that is when you when you explain it that way, when you break it down that way, you do see the disservice that he's done this 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 child, this woman, yeah. to be or whatever. Yeah. And either way, either way, even if it's you know on the opposite end, even if it's the the mother spoiling the son, like she can set the son up for these ridiculous expectations, you know. Yeah, like yeah. Well, every know. woman ain't gonna sit up and do everything your mama did. You know, that's just not how it works either and so i i do see how you know the dynamic of co-parenting can be a very unsafe place and even with the best of intentions can really harm the child as they become an adult and try to find somebody to you know build a life with because their expectations are all scattered about like you you know you you really have no clue on what to expect from the opposite sex because Listen, you you had very poor examples, and I see it today. Um, I see it today. So you know when I'm not putting nobody business out there, and you know I want everybody to listen to your show. But <laughs> I know of people. I'll just say it like that. I know of people who 
are in this position where, you know, when the finances are fine, everything's good. And, but when the finances are not, everything goes wrong. And so here we are today. I say, whether you're a man or a woman, if you were in a household where maybe both parents weren't together, or even if they were, if one of the parents treated, um, another parent like a different way because they weren't providing whether it was a woman being mean mm-hmm. to the man or the man being mean to the woman because they weren't providing into the home you create this uh this cycle of people who fall apart because of financial instability and it's mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. you know it's more than that and i wouldn't want to be a woman and a part of a home that I'm only valuable if I'm bringing money in. I wouldn't want to be a man, a part of a home that I'm only valuable to if I'm bringing money in. And and you see how, you know, these patterns and dynamics just, you know, kill. If you look at it, like just ruin, a, a, you know, a culture because people think a certain mm-hmm. way and they expect a certain way. And if you even use your example about the, the dad spoiling his daughter, if you look about look at the women who a lot of people consider gold diggers and women out there looking for, you know, a certain, you know, quality of life for men, it could be because of fathers who um, misdirected their love. Yes, yes, yes. And I really do um, see that more than I see the um the discord in the relationships between the man and woman um i think when you when you talk about the the daughter in a sense where she could be potentially spoiled and never has to work and how when father's day come up she doesn't have any resources to get dad anything or if mom is a person who never has to work and never have the opportunity to get that anything in some way, shape or form, whether it translates this way or not, there is a potential that this person, whether it be your partner or your child, can look at life believing that it's OK to not put any effort in to show that you truly appreciate a person, you know, because the resources always came from dad. Like, what do you do to show dad his just do? in a way to where he feels as though he has been completely appreciated for who he is. Like those type of things are what we need to consider in the way that we parent or the way that we position ourselves in relationships, because us just being benevolent is just naturally the hearts of some people. But those things could very well be taken advantage of too. Very well. So I, I really wanted to, um, as much as I believe this conversation is to help people, I want it to strike a nerve when I said that, because I want people to understand that you have to be worth what you're asking for, no matter what, like whether you're a man or a woman, you have to be worth what you're asking for. And sometimes doing that shadow work and looking into your life and going back into those dark places, when you deal with family, when you deal with your childhood and your upbringing, when mom and dad were on the outs, like when you deal with those things, it'll kind of curve the direction of where you could potentially end up or lead yourself into when you decide to make a decision for a relationship. Because I don't want to ever be, I don't want to ever be the guy, even though I appreciate the truth and the blatant honesty that my father gave to me at an early age, because it taught me pride. And standing on my word, 
but sometimes it was not considerate of the person he was talking to or about. Like, right. I want to be that person to um, distinguish the things and the takeaways to to keep inside of myself. Like, even though I appreciate my mother setting a standard of um, sticking to the word, you know, honoring thy mother and thy father so that my days would be long. Like, she she didn't want me to see him in any other way but there was a way to communicate that in certain ways these are things that you need to look out for these are things that you need to be attentive to when those moments of need or those moments of discomfort or on you know whatever your feelings are like pointing out a way to actually deal with the feelings Instead of just looking at the brighter side, because the brighter side is not always your circumstance. Right. So you could very well be telling me the most positive information in the world. But if it doesn't apply to me, how useful is it in those moments? There might come a time where down the line I can use it. But for these feelings, like how do I get out of these feelings? And that's the reason why the blindly benevolent conversation became so important for me to have. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, would did you want your mom to be more honest with you? Did you did you want that from her? If you could change anything, is that something? Um, now that I'm an adult, I realize I didn't really need it. I didn't really need the truth. I just needed them to have a better form of communication because. One of the things that um, one of the difficult things about me and my father's relationship is when we have moments of truth, it's it's kind of passive. It's not um, we'll we'll rather enjoy each other's company than actually deal with our issues because we know that these things are sensitive spaces because he and Mm -hmm. I did come to blows one time about my little brother. Okay. So um, there was a point where I felt like I had it, I had to stand up to him as a man because I knew that my little brother had like one foot in the dope game. Like he was the kid that came up in, you know, an honest struggle, not really understanding the time in which he was living with my father. And I knew based on the people he was hanging around that if I gave them knuckleheads three more months, he would have definitely had some crack in his pocket. So right. like I just I just jumped into like a a big brother and almost a father figure instinct and um my father took it he took it however he took it you know um mm-hmm. he was explaining to me in so many ways that um because I ended up putting my hands on my brother and um he told me that he felt like that was disrespectful to him which I mean if based on his standards it was but I felt like I was justified in my reasoning and um we had that exchange and from that instance, um, I remember it was a big blow up. He told me, like, if you keep doing that to your brother, I'm going to put my hands on you. It got real. And as a man, I stood in front of him and said, I can take it. I fought guys big as you. Like, right. this was just that moment of, mm-hmm. like, coming of age in a sense. And um, from that, I remember, like, the household energy was bad. Everybody, his wife, the kids, everybody just kind of left. And um, he was in the house alone. And that was the first time me and him had like a for real conversation. And um, that's honestly the reason why I can understand his level of truth a lot better. 
I can see the reason why um, him and my mother were largely different mm-hmm. in upbringing so that I can respect the reason why they agreed to disagree in part ways. Like a lot of the answers that I needed when it came to why my mom and my daddy weren't together because I knew I felt it, but I never knew how to ask it because mm-hmm. it just it presented itself every time they were around each other. It was like my mama didn't necessarily care to be around him too long and the same for him. So eventually um, us having that conversation kind of answered a lot of the questions. And then I realized I didn't really need to know the truth from my mother because eventually I would see it for myself. Right. So I don't know, you know, not if it, it, I don't know if it, it may have, it could have, or may not have made a difference to how I grew up. If she had just told me like, you know, your father's dealing with certain emotional issues or whatever the cases was that she believed him to have. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe if she had identified him early, um, maybe I would see things different, but I'm honestly like happy that life played out that way because um i was a very emotional kid outside of that without Mm -hmm. them being a part of it so um having counselors and having mentors having rotc like my my colonel was like the biggest asshole (laughs) when it came to me but he identified with me because he saw himself in me i was the kid that um i don't have a lot of high school friends and i want to talk about this on the episode too because I was the kid that told the truth. And I got that from my father. Mm-hmm. I told the truths that people were scared to say. And so mm. in me being the and me being like the oldest out of a lot of my friends in high school, when they would have like issues or missteps, I would tell them in the blatant, the blatant truth or the, the blatantly truthful ways, in a sense, mm-hmm. not to be. Not to be offensive, but just to keep it all the way real. And so most of my friends, when they would get in those spaces of being ashamed, they would look back and say, well, if BJ said this to them in that moment, how is he going to speak to me? And they would flee from me every time. They no longer needed my help. They wouldn't ask for my help. They wouldn't tell me when they they knew I had what they needed. Well, they didn't want help. Yeah. Like, and they flee. Yeah. I'm not going to say I'm not going to say that that happened to me in high school per se, but I do feel like there was a time where like cousins just stopped confiding in me because I was honest. I told them Mm -hmm. what they needed to hear, not what they wanted to hear. Um, And and that was important for me uh, to do that for them. I felt like they needed it, whether they liked it or not. Um, They just needed something to balance what they wanted to believe off of. And, um, it, it does cost you something because people, when they know they don't want to resolve something, when they don't really want the help, they will avoid you at all costs because mm-hmm. they know just seeing you sometime, they can hear what you would say, you know? <laughs> so yeah, they, yeah. they will, they will um, flee and that, and that's just, and it feels bad and you hate to be that person. So, and that's where I feel like um, being the messenger because becomes something you um, kind of, uh, regret and I feel like maybe yes. that's a part that's a part of why you took your time with doing this and it was okay mm-hmm. taking the back seat for so long because you did not get um 
praised for the good things that you do, um, the truth that you tell, the hard conversations that yeah. you have. The so hard conversations, right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I take I mean, so much pride in this. I t- I do. I take so much pride in this. You know, yeah. as much as I can't stand it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, because there is a there is a dark place of it, you know, where like sometimes I'm reminded of things that still hurt. I think of friends that were like brothers that have children that I don't know. And, mm-hmm. you know, like those moments, like I, I reflect on so many things, but I use it to fuel why I don't talk about pop culture. I talk about real, you know, to life things. And I, I try to be of help to those that don't necessarily know that they need it because I'm very observant to our culture and the things mm-hmm. that go on in our culture. And you'll see like, okay, this person really don't understand what they communicating all day long. And that man hate and them bitter tweets, right. you know, like you really, you really don't know what you're saying about yourself more than you are about the people that you're judging. And, and, that's, no, a, and that's a great conversation ugh. to have, or even like a little great little alley to turn down because I, this is the thing. I feel like we see things so differently. Like you have your perception, you have your life experiences that go into why you see things the way you see things. And I have mine or whatever. And I guess like the best way for me to be, you know, uh, and, you know, be clear with what I see is to understand that a lot of what I believe, a lot of what I consider to be good and are bad or whatever might not be how I define it. Like I understand, mm. like this person, yes, this yes. person is is like male, uh, male bashing or female bashing or whatever. But that might come from a very pure place in them, and at all times. And this is what I try to, you know, make clear most times on my show, is that I don't have to agree with you. The world doesn't have to agree with you, but you have to tell your truth. And, you know, as you tell your truth, as you live your experience, as you become yourself, you realize how important it is for everybody else to find that as well. So I don't need to agree with people. I I don't. I I can. I, you know, this is why I feel like me and Carmen do what we do so well on our shows because we do see things very differently. We clearly have very different life experiences. And Mm -hmm. it's just, it just makes, it just makes our show that much more balanced because, you know, whatever she sees is positive and I take as negative and vice versa. That makes a full conversation. And I think some of the things you might deem negative, BJ, you could use to, you know, bring out how you see things. Because we just want to see yeah. a clear picture of the way you see things. Because it, it, it might be true for some and it might be completely opposite for others. But I, yeah, I don't, it is. I don't, I don't think it's anything wrong with it. But I do think it's beautiful when you get to expound on it or whatever. And you are. The person is telling you something when they're, when they're bashing or mad or angry. They are. They're telling you that they are in pain and they're upset. And this is what. You know, they are focusing, you know, their anger on today and and give them some time. They're going to have a whole new focus. (laughs) okay, or whatever. And a lot of people like as long as as long as you're caught up in this thing where you're giving everything else your time and your focus or whatever, you never get to deal with yourself. And that's why I was on my selfish kick. And even and I feel like I can't even really call it selfish anymore because the whole purpose is so I can be of service. You know, I, I really had to withdraw. I had to pull myself away. I had to say no to people. I had to do, you know, all the things that I would never feel was okay to be a friend. 
You know, I was being blindly benevolent, um, you know, disregarding my own well-being, doing what I felt right, was right. right, doing what I felt would, you know, mean something, uh, doing what I felt would please God when it was actually deteriorating my being, my, my power, you know, what made me great. And it's just you have to come to terms and understand that you can't please everybody. Everybody not going to understand you. Everybody not going to like you. You can say something so well-meaning and be so, you know, precise in how you say it. And somebody going to still catch it with their ass. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it's nothing you can do but be the best you you can. Be as true to you as you can be. Be as true to yourself in this moment as you can be. Next moment, right. be as true to you as you can be in that moment. And, and, and don't be afraid to change. Like, that's my biggest thing. I knew, I, I know when I started Crystal Clear, I, I knew who I was at that point. And you got a clear picture of who Crystal Clear was, was at that point. And I grew from that point. And I became comfortable with more things about myself from that point on. Just exposing yourself and, and talking on the mic and getting people to listen to you and give you feedback. You become more comfortable with who you are every day. And a lot of people, for whatever reason, they expect you to show up and be your full self, perfect and confident in that. And you're just not. None of us are. Mm. We're all learning and we're all growing and we're all becoming. So I, if Crystal Clear could do anything today on being blindly benevolent, if you are doing anything today just because you feel like it's right, if if you're hiding any portion of yourself, if you're not being completely true in any way, you're not doing anybody any favors. You're not. You, you are hurting yourself more so than anything. Just be who you are. Let them feel how they feel. The more you change and become you, they're going to fall off anyway. People can't keep up. People can't keep up. They don't want to keep up. Some people just want to point a finger. They don't, they don't want to say, you know what? I don't know how she got here from here, but I don't like it. Somebody, somebody is going to be able to understand what happened from there to there. Somebody sees it clear. Somebody sees the steps that you took. And somebody just like, mm, judgment. Yeah, yeah you And so it's right. it's really, it's, right. it's nothing that you, I mean, I honestly, BJ, it's, what can you do? But tell your story. I'm learning that. I'm learning that. You know, like, <laughs> uh, you the, like, you the, like, third or fourth person since I started back this whole recording process that has really told me to just stop overthinking it, you know, and I just have that as a, a issue. I just always want to make sure that I'm being received in the most positive way because that's my intention. And that's fine. You 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 can use that. But I'm saying use use when you don't feel like you are. Use when you when you don't agree with somebody else's stance. Use all of mm. it to to paint your okay. picture. And I'm saying it's okay. it's fine. It, it, as long as you know what your intent is. But yeah. don't ex- don't expect it, and and don't and don't let it distract you when they don't see it that way. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm actually like in the process of really focusing on that point because um I have this thing that I've been um sitting on for about six months called the mm-hmm. Ability Series, and I'm putting mm-hmm. it out there so people know when you you know get a reach or a DM, that's what it's about. Uh, the basically is like. I'm talking about the abilities that I feel like I do have, I don't have, and that I feel like other men need to pay more attention to. So in this series is going to be four shows that talk about one ability, whether it be account ability or whether it be Mm -hmm. response 
ability or depend ability or lie ability like wow. all of these different things so I like and i'm talk and i'm talking about myself i'm talking about mm-hmm. myself but i'm also posing um questions and i know that like this space is is touchy because i still haven't heard the answers i want to hear from some of the feelings i want people to affirm in me or like i know that wait 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 what did you say you, issues. Want, you wait 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 bj wait wait did you say it's, it's a, yes repeat what you just said yes. you want people to affirm in you yes in certain ways yes i do because the reason why i say that is because i just want to make sure that i know what i know and that what i'm feeling is valid like i'm not okay. saying that they're going to make me believe what it is i'm saying or anything like that i'm not counting on them to validate okay. what i'm okay. saying but I want them to affirm in me that these things are real, you know, okay. so that was that's what makes it scary to talk about, because if I don't get that and I'm just out here looking crazy, I don't think I will follow through the way okay. that I so know that I you're can. You're talking to the right person right now. So let, let, let's just let's just do this real quick. So <laughs> Go ahead. First, do what you first, do. First and foremost, first and foremost, if it was given to you to do. It's just what you should do. I don't care what it feels like after you do it, what response you get after you you do it and complete it it was for you to do because it was given to you to do okay it's mm-hmm. it's a very weird place that people go to when they are given something and they fear how it was received and i just know personally if you look at it like if you think about god and however you view god right and you look at mm-hmm. every individual as a project right think about yourself as the project that God was unsure about. Mm. Mm. What if God wasn't sure about you? What if God didn't know if you could do what he wanted you to do? Like you do your material. Like you do your content. Mm. Mm, that's crazy. I and, and, he, and he released you into the universe, understanding and trusting that you would get the job done. And that's how you have to handle your content. Wow. Yeah, I was talking to the perfect person. <laughs> oh my God. I never would have thought of that analogy in that space and time. Ooh, wee. That was, man. So now I don't need that affirmation no more just because you said that. You don't. You you have to do it. If, I'm going to tell you, the, the, those four topics that you brought up, those abilities, let me tell you, <laughs> you got to. You have to regardless figure out how to get it done take the time you need to take make it happen whether anybody hears it or not put it out there that's 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 yeah. just what you have to do because it was given to you yes, it's important yeah. yes it it, it's it, it's important anytime you're given something do it execute mm. every time yeah. i don't care i don't care what yeah. it feels like yeah. I, i'm telling you it happens all the time you don't know what is going to take to take you to the next level? But you can't question it. I'm telling you, every time you question something, every time you uh shift from foot to foot about it, I don't know. I don't... Stop that. You you ain't gonna oh never know. God. I promise you, you will never know. It's the things that you least expect that is going to you know bring what you're looking for, which whatever you're after. Because I can't tell you what you're after. I don't know what it is. People can assume, you know, money, fame, popularity. We don't know what it is. 
for BJ. Mm. So whatever it is, you have to do this type of thing. When you're given something like a message, like those abilities would be, you got to make it happen. That's all I can tell you. Don't, 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 <laughs> don't sit on that. <laughs> don't sit on that. I'm not. Because I'm, I'm telling not. you, I've, I'm telling you, somebody going to listen to this episode and they got their little pen. Oh, you ain't going to do it. It'll get done. Mm-hmm. Trust me. Oh, like I know with some thieves. I know. Everybody who don't listen, let me tell you something. And, and oh, let's talk about the thieves. You know, let's just talk about the thieves. <laughs> now, I've talked, I've, I've talked about, I've talked about this, this creative, this, this, this creative thing we all have, right? And and it, mm-hmm. it feels like thievery, and sometimes it downright is, right? We can't deny that, right? But a lot of times it mm-hmm. isn't. I don't know how many people that I might have said exactly what they said, and I don't know who they are. Never heard of them. Okay? Okay? Right, right. So if there's, if there's people out there that want to assume that somebody's stealing from them or taking their material, what if they never even heard of you? Y'all just have, y'all, y'all just linked into the same type of connection. Because that's a real thing. Some of us are on the same, you know, wavelength, same, something, vibration. We're getting the same messaging, and we have to accept that that is a real thing. Now, when you know that you are a real thing, is as you notice that, you keep going. You keep doing what you got to do. So whether it's oh, been yeah, said so by somebody to... else, right, right, it doesn't mean yeah. you no longer have to say it, okay? And I know that people are never going to say things the way that I say it. So I'm always comfortable in that aspect of uh, creation because I know that once I hear the the close or the potential plagiarism, even I know that there's like three or four different ways I can take my conversation because I'm a writer at heart. So everything that I write is just, you know, it always can steer me in the direction that those conversations may derail me emotionally before they do creatively so um i'm i'm dead set on it i've already um written more than half of it um there's going to be months where um you'll get four episodes instead of the bi-weekly schedule you'll get four Mm -hmm. episodes in an entire month that covers those abilities and that covers the month that i will release and um until i'm done you know and that's just going to be like my audio diary in the sense of the things that I feel like I really have to share with men. And it hit me just at random when I was doing the episode with uh, Christian Brianna mm-hmm. um, from Dem Chakras. Like, you know, mm-hmm. she's the person I talk about like spiritual things with. And mm-hmm. um, she just laid a bunch of things on me and it hit me right then in the midst of us recording. I think I even said it on that episode so um i've been stuck on that and i hear you loud and clear like everything that you say when you say it i hear it so um i'm definitely taking it to heart and using it to um, move these things i'm saying on air forward so i i greatly appreciate you for you know putting a nice you know heel in my ass well great well awesome (laughs) i'm i'm glad that i could you know be of service, and also another thing on the um, on the the being on the same wavelength or vibration as other people. Now, I do understand that um, a lot of people, if you're anything like me, you don't want to sound like nobody else. It's like you just mm-hmm. don't, you know. And not that you you can, even if you wanted to, you don't want to. It's okay, right? 
it's okay to cut it off. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't you yeah. don't have to hear everybody, you don't have to see everybody, you don't have to witness everything. You can unplug to make sure you're tapped in into your to your truth, into your true voice, into your realness. I do it often. Sometimes mm-hmm. if I know I have a message stirring up, that's why I said if you gotta if you gotta unplug, unplug. I feel like that message that you have might require you to unplug. I know you have commitments and goals for your podcasts. But um, I feel like that message that you have might require you some unplugging. Mm. Mm. I do. I don't know. I might be wrong. I just, I just, I just sense it's a little no, deeper. Than... You might be right. You might be right. <laughs> um, I might, I might just try that just because you know, um, just to really like hone in on what I'm talking about because a lot of it is personal, and I do know that um that does shift my entire mood mm-hmm. when i get into those creative spaces like i can have a lot of the lighthearted conversations absolutely fine it's mm-hmm. just you know peace and excitement but then there's other ones where i have to extract things from certain places and it changes my energy it shifts the energy in my relationship because now mm-hmm. my girl don't know what's wrong with me and she wants to know and i don't want to talk about it so <laughs> like i do have to um really like sit with a lot of those things but i know it's important and i know that Mm -hmm. the only reason why i went through those things is because i had to be of help to somebody else with those same things and i'm strong enough to talk about it so i'm going to get it done i'm gonna get i'm gonna get it done and i trust that you will and and like i said like i am i'm i am i I have no words. I just can't wait till you put words to all of the abilities you have. So I, I'm just impressed. That is something. Like, as soon as you said it, I'm like, oh, I know that was given to you. <laughs> I, <laughs> I know it. <laughs> when you broke it down about that, I'm like, ooh, I know. I yeah. know it. So, yeah, I can't wait Stepping to see on that. Toes. Yes, yeah, yes, do, do what you got to do. You know, step on the it. toes, you know, crack the next, however you look at it. I mean, <laughs> do it. Do it to the <laughs> best of your abilities, you know. But um, it was, this was a great conversation, blindly benevolent. I love it. Yes, the B&B it featuring CC, you know, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> amazing, amazing. Yes, it was a great conversation. And for those of you that are, that are listening, um, this is one of the reasons why I favor um, Crystal Clear. You get this all the time from just listening to her speak, even when she's talking by herself. There's always something that you can take away from her content. So this is why I put her in such a high regard amongst the creatives that are women, though I respect you all. There is a personal favorite that I call Crystal Clear. So um if, in fact, you are interested in leaving a comment, uh, have a question or don't like something that you heard or potentially want to expound on something that you heard in this episode, you can definitely reach me at Dergo BJ. That's D-E-R-G-O-B-J on Twitter. The Instagram page is The Subject Change. I do have an email. If you want to send me an email, you can send an email to changed, C-H-A-N-G-E-D, subject at gmail.com and i also have just added a hotline that i do not speak on um very much in the show i promote it on my social media but i need to raise more awareness by saying it actually on the episode so the hotline the change the subject hotline is 
652-0220. Um, leave all comments, questions, topics, suggestions, anything that you would like for me to um, hear from you. You can definitely call that phone number. And I'm going to give Crystal the opportunity to give her social media again so that you can follow up with her. Such an amazing guest. And I'm pretty sure you'll love her content. So give them your social media too, ma'am. Okay, guys. So I am really organic with it. I really, I, I'm not pushing for anybody to find me or listen to me. I feel like if it's necessary, you'll figure it out. Or if you just stumble upon <laughs> Crystal Clear, you know, I'm here. You know, are the raining opinions? I'm over there. You know, you'll just, you'll, you'll be, hopefully you find something you like because, you know, it's not for everybody. But if it is for you, it's special to you. Yes, it is. It's for everybody. She's being humble and modest. Oh my goodness! It's, it's for it's for everybody. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I can definitely stamp that. So, um, please follow and um listen to her content again. If you have any questions, comments, any type of information that you would like to share, definitely do that, and I will um definitely respond honestly and openly to whatever it is that you bring. But this has concluded episode 26 of Change the Subject. And we're going to title this episode Blindly Benevolent featuring Cece (laughs) on today's episode. I'll see you guys in a few weeks. Peace and blessings. Thank you for tuning in.